John baptizes Jesus. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus, answering, said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Thank you, Jacob, for leading the beautiful music today, and thank you, everybody, for being here. It's a wonderful first Sunday of the new year, 2018. Happy New Year to everybody that's here. Today we're going to look at a topic from the book of Matthew, from chapter 3. And as Jacob just read the verses, this is where Jesus is baptized. This is quite an interesting passage. Not only does John baptize Jesus, but we see the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are manifested in these verses. It also addresses the question of why was Jesus baptized? Jesus is God. Jesus is perfect. Jesus never sinned. Baptism, from our point of view, as an individual, as a person, as a human, is a reflection of public testimony after we've been saved that we are a sinner and we are made a new creature in Christ. This is the purpose for us publicly being baptized. Jesus never sinned, and yet he was baptized. And we're going to explore a little bit today why Jesus was baptized. So on your handout, the title for this lesson is John Baptizes Jesus. The first point is the Father sent Jesus to be baptized by John into his public ministry. The second point will be the Father sent Jesus to save the world through his righteousness. And then the third point, Jesus pleased our Father in heaven by submitting to his will unto death. Point number one, the Father sent Jesus to be baptized by John. Matthew 3.13, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. If you look at a map of the Middle East, you have the Sea of Galilee, and then slightly to the west would be Nazareth. Jesus grew up in Nazareth. And then if you traveled approximately 75 miles south and east, you will come to the lower part of the Jordan River, which flows into the Dead Sea. This is the area primarily where John the Baptist preached. We discussed last week where his ministry and what it entailed. Jesus traveled this long distance, probably would take about a week to get there, traveling by foot. So it was quite a long journey. The book of John, chapter 6, 38 and 39, this is Jesus speaking why he came. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, 
but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. This verse teaches us that the Father sent Jesus to the world. He came down from heaven. And now he's starting his public ministry. Father sends him to John the Baptist to be baptized. We know very little about Jesus in his growing up years. There's much about his birth, and we went through quite a bit of that testimony in the Bible over the courses prior to Christmas. And there's much about his public ministry after he's baptized. But those years from his birth, when he was a young child, until he started his public ministry at the age of 30, the Bible's really quite silent. There's only one passage from the book of Luke in chapter 2 where Jesus is 12 years old. And if you recall reading that passage, he goes to the temple with his parents and they leave. And there are several days journey before they realize that Jesus is not with them because they were traveling in separate companies. And they come back and here's where they find Jesus at the temple. And it came to pass that after three days they found him, Jesus, in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Jesus wrote the Bible, and he's having these conversations with the doctors, the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders, and they're amazed at this young man who's only 12 years old. And if you recall when Mary, she was a little bit frustrated. You can hear her frustration in the in the verses and she asks him what he's doing and he says don't you know I must be about my father's business Jesus was sent by the father and even at the age of 12 he was about his father's business Matthew 3 6 so now we're back at the scene where Jesus is at the Jordan River and we're baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins one of the requirements for true Biblical salvation is we have to repent from our sins and we need to confess them. And you remember last week's message was flee from the wrath to come. And John was preaching the gospel of repentance. And the people were confessing their sins. This is very important. We need to admit that we're sinners and that we're lost in our sins. But Jesus is the Savior. Only Jesus can save us. Luke 1, verses 5 and 6. Now this is when John the Baptist was at his birth. This is also at the time of Jesus' birth. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. This verse is teaching us that Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, was from the tribe of Levi. Her husband, Zacharias, because he was a priest, he was also of the tribe of Levi. These were very godly people. It says here 
They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. John the Baptist has a wonderful testimony in the Bible, and also do his parents. As parents, do we have a good testimony before our children? Because they, in many cases, walk in our footsteps. Matthew 3.11 I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. This is John the Baptist speaking. But he that comes after me, that's Jesus, is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. When we read the Bible, every verse has one meaning. Every verse has many applications. The Word of God can apply to you differently than it would to you, Randy, or to an individual living in China or down in the Amazon. We are different ages. We have different cultures, different languages, and every one of us grew up in a different home environment. So the Word of God has many applications, but it only has one meaning. Now also think of a coin with two sides. You have a heads and a tails. That verse is also dealing with us in the physical world. That's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is every verse is dealing with us in the spirit world. John the Baptist was baptizing in the physical world. His was a submission into the Jordan River, and when you came out of it, you were wet. He was baptizing with water onto repentance. But Jesus, he was baptizing in the spirit world. And as soon as you're saved, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's what this verse is teaching us. He, that's Jesus, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Our body becomes a temple of the Holy Ghost at the exact moment that we're saved. Luke chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. This is the angel talking to John the Baptist's dad, Zacharias. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. What a beautiful testimony. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord. God doesn't need us to be politically powerful to be great in his sight. We don't need to be rich to be great in God's sight. How are we great in God's sight? With faith. Do you also see that this verse says he was filled with the Holy Ghost? Filled with the Holy Ghost. How many of us, when we were little children, we played out in the yard? I used to play a lot of football and basketball, and I think in today's society, kids play mostly soccer. But in the hot sun, you come into the house, you want something to drink. And my mom would usually have those little packets of Kool-Aid, and she would get out a big, tall glass. Now, what would happen if she just poured like a half of an inch in the bottom of that cup? That wouldn't go very far. I would say, Mama, fill up that glass. I'm really thirsty. Do you see John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost? He didn't have just a little bit. 
That's why he was great in the sight of God. He had great faith. Also, do you know that he was saved from his birth? Jesus chooses who is saved. God is in control of everything. Even that little baby in the mama's womb. And that also speaks against abortion. Luke 1, 76 and 77. This is again the angel speaking to Zacharias. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. There was a period of silence in the Bible of approximately 430 years between Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. There was a period of silence when Moses was called to lead the children out of Egypt of approximately 430 years. Jesus gave Moses the law. John the Baptist is ushering in the dispensation of grace. He's preaching to give knowledge of salvation. To be saved is an intellectual process. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Salvation comes through knowledge of the word. How do people receive the knowledge of the word? From preaching. Every one of us in this room, we are qualified to preach and to teach the word. If you are a Christian, in fact, that's your duty. It's God's commandment to us. John 1, 29 and 30. This is John the Baptist, and he's been preaching and baptizing all day long. Then he sees Jesus approaching him. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. John the Baptist knows the Messiah will come. John the Baptist knows the Messiah is God. The Bible is silent as to how Jesus was growing up, and it's also silent as to how John the Baptist was growing up. Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. They were related. We can surmise that Jesus and John knew each other as they were growing up. John the Baptist was in the mountains of Judea, which is quite far from Nazareth. However, they would have family get-togethers, family talks, people visit, and occasionally you can assume they got together. But just like some of the brothers and sisters in Jesus' family, they didn't believe that he was God until, like for example, James, until he was resurrected. John the Baptist knows Jesus as a very righteous man. But he doesn't yet know he's the God, Messiah. And verse 133 from John explains this. This is John speaking. And I knew him not. Now, of course, he knows Jesus. <laughs> he knows he's in his relation. But he doesn't know he's God. And then he says, but he that sent me to baptize with water. Who sent John the Baptist to, to baptize with water? God. 
he was so close to the Lord that when God spoke, not only did he hear, but he listened. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Many times we like clear pictures in life. Should I make this investment? Somebody tell me what, what to invest in, especially in 2018 with the stock market going up, up, up. Is it a good time to invest? We like to have answers. John the Baptist was listening to God, and God told him exactly what to do. When you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. That is Jesus, Messiah, God. Top of page 3, Matthew 4, 7. Then was Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The reason we have this verse, even though it's from the next chapter of Matthew, is the Spirit led Jesus. We just read where the Father sent Jesus. But now we have the Spirit leading Jesus. Jesus was always doing the will of the Father. And part of that will was to submit to the Holy Spirit. And here we see him doing that. 1 Peter 2.21 For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. If Jesus submitted to the holy will of the Spirit, shouldn't we submit to the holy will of the Spirit? And did you see that quote that Jacob read from D.L. Moody? You don't have to turn there, but I'll read that again. God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. And if we are not filled, it is because we are living beneath our privileges. How many of us like to be VIPs in the world to get the comfortable treatment? How many of us like a nice warm fireplace on a cold day when it's 11 degrees outside? We like to be comfortable. We like the privileges. In the spirit world, the privilege is ours. And D.L. Moody is pointing out that if we're not submitted to the Holy Spirit, we're missing out on the privileges that God has prepared for us. Jesus was led by the will of the Holy Spirit we likewise, as that example is pointed out, should let the Holy Spirit lead us. And then Matthew 28, 19, these are the last commands Jesus gives while he's on the earth right before he ascends into heaven. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's the physical picture when you baptize somebody with water. But it's a picture of the spiritual coming of the Holy Spirit in that saved individual's life. Matthew 3, 14. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? So John knows this is Jesus, his relative, who was very righteous. When we were going over these verses this morning, 
in the juniors class at church, we kind of laughed a little bit because one of the kids said, what would it be like growing up in Jesus' house? He never did anything wrong. And these kids are all 11, 12, 13 years old. So they can relate to their brothers and sisters. Jesus was perfect. He was like, you can almost hear Mary and Joseph say, can't you be like Jesus? But Jesus is God and he is perfect. And John is now looking at Jesus who's coming to be baptized and said, why do you ask me to baptize you? You should be baptizing me. This is really getting to the core issue of why Jesus was baptized. Jesus didn't need to be baptized because of his sins after getting saved. The reason Jesus was baptized is he needed to fulfill the law. Just like Jesus' public ministry started at the age of 30. Because before 30, a Jewish man under the law didn't have all the rights, the privileges, or the duties. At the age of 30, a Jewish man had all of that. That's why Jesus started his public ministry at the age of 30. And he's submitting to this baptism to perfect the righteousness in us. He's already perfect. But our righteousness is perfected because of his sacrifice on the cross. Because of his blood atonement. Galatians 3.27-29 talks a little bit about this. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. Hebrews 4.15 For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That's a double negative. So what it means is Jesus was touched with all of our infirmities. Every time we are tempted, Jesus understands that. But notice, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. We have a high priest. The high priest would offer up the sacrifice. Jesus is the high priest offering himself as the sacrifice. Every year, the Jews had to repeat the sacrifice because it was an animal. And the animal couldn't save the individual. But the law did require a blood sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. That's why Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, had to shed his blood. And that's why Jesus will never go to the cross a second time. Because he said on the cross, right before he yielded up his spirit to the Father, it is finished. The work has been done. And in fact, in the temple, that great robe that scaled several stories tall, that was 18 inches thick, this cloth was ripped from the top to the bottom. God said, that's it. You don't need to go back into the temple. No need for the sacrifice. It is finished. Jesus has done it. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, 
received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Many religions of the world hold to doctrines, really doctrines of devils, because they think that burning incense or praying a repetitious prayer to someone other than God will get you into heaven. God says, no, that's a vain tradition. 1 Peter chapter 2, 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. This is Jesus. He did no sin. And guile is the spirit of deceit, of lying. God is truth. God is full of grace and truth. God is true, and all of us men in this room, and women too, we're all liars. God is true, and every man is a liar. We can rely on that, because the truth will set you free. See, we're in bondage to sin, and especially before our day of salvation. The old man after salvation is still in bondage to sin, but the truth will set you free. In the spirit world, once we're saved, our soul is redeemed. And now, spiritually speaking, we are free from that sin. The sin cannot tie us down at the judgment seat to send us to hell for the deeds we have done. No, indeed, we are set free to go to heaven. 1 John 3, 5. And you know that he was manifested, this is Jesus, manifested means he was made apparent to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. The Bible in John, the first chapter says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was made into flesh. He became a little baby born of a virgin. And he lived a perfect life. The second point today, the Father sent Jesus to save the world through his righteousness. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Matthew 3.15 And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. So Jesus is answering John the Baptist. He said, Why do you want me to baptize you? You should baptize me. And then Jesus answers him, For thus it becomes us, together, you and me, to fulfill all righteousness. And then it says John suffered him. Then he baptized him. The purpose for the baptism is to fulfill righteousness. Remember, righteousness is defined by the law. And Jesus fulfilled all of the law. No man can fulfill the law because we will sin. How many of us haven't committed sins just today? It's so easy to sin. You can have a bad thought, bad attitude, just driving here, people can pull in front of you. You could be standing in line at Kroger and thinking, why is it taking so long? Those are not thoughts of love. <laughs> Those are kind of like selfish thoughts. We can just fill our day. And we don't even think of those as sins. But for him that knows to do right and do with it not, to him it is sin. And also, if you commit one fault, let's say you kept all the commandments which we can do, but you had a lying tongue and you told a lie like once a year. If you shall keep the whole law 
and yet offend in one point? The Bible says you're guilty of all. Isaiah 53, 11. This is a prophecy about Jesus. And remember, we talked last week where the scribes and the Pharisees, they came to listen to John the Baptist. They wanted to see John the Baptist. And he said, you generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? They saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many? For he shall bear their iniquities. And then Isaiah goes on to say, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. We're all transgressors. Jesus was numbered with all of us. And he bare the sin of many. He didn't bear the sin of all. Because remember, most people reject Jesus. Most people do not receive him as Savior. But he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Intercession is somebody who steps in between you and the penalty. Jesus is an advocate for us with the Father. When the accuser, Satan, says, Jim did this and this and that and that, Jesus will say no. As far as the east is from the west, so far are his sins removed from him. Matthew 5, 17. This is Jesus speaking. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. Matthew 5, 18. This is again Jesus speaking. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till it all be fulfilled. The law has to be fulfilled before God will destroy this heaven and this earth and create a new heaven and a new earth from Revelation 21. Acts 1.5. Again, this is Jesus speaking, and this is the setting is right before he ascends into heaven. For John truly baptized with water, but you, he's talking to the people present. Approximately 500 people saw him on that day. He's saying to them, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Fifty days from the Passover is Pentecost. Jesus was in the tomb three days and three nights as Jonas was in the belly of the whale. So must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. He rose from the dead on Easter Sunday morning through the power of his holiness. He walked on the earth for 40 days. So we have Passover week. We have the time he's in the tomb, which is encompassed in that Passover week. And then we have the 40 days. And now he's ready to ascend. And he says, not many days hence. In a couple of days, Pentecost Sunday, we consider that the birth of the church. The Holy Spirit descends as flames of fire on the people that are in that upper room. Acts 1.8, three verses later. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. If you're saved today, you have the power of God in you. And the Bible says in Romans 1, 
This is Paul speaking. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. You have the power of God. It's the word of God. It's the sword of the word of God. The sword of the Lord. We can be powerful fighting for the kingdom. All we have to do is share the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. And this verse is saying, you shall receive power. That's the power we have. The Holy Spirit lives in us. In fact, the Bible promises when we're witnessing to somebody, he will actually put the words on our tongue that we shall speak. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And this is really the culmination verse of why God sent Jesus to be baptized. For he has made him, this is the Father has made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We cannot get into heaven unless we're righteous. And we're all sinners. There's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The only way we can be made righteous is through receiving Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior. Repenting from our sins and then walking forward living for Christ. Matthew 3.16 And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. So here we see John the Baptist has just baptized Jesus. Jesus gets up, walks out of the water, and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And John the Baptist is the closest. He sees the Spirit come down. But everybody else witnessing this will also see it. And they will hear. Look what happens in Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. Again, this is a prophecy. Those scribes and Pharisees, the people of the law, would understand this verse. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. They're literally seeing it happen. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. This scripture was fulfilled right in front of their eyes. Isaiah 61, 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. This verse is speaking to us. If we're saved, if we're a Christian, this is really our mission statement. We should go preach good tidings unto the meek. Preach good tidings to them that are bound up in sin. The ones that are brokenhearted. How many people do we know in our life right now that are brokenhearted? There are people that are dying, that are physically weak, that are going through divorces, that have money issues, that have emotional issues, they have depression issues. Every day there's suicides. There are brokenhearted people out there. And we have the good news gospel that can set them free. It says, opening of the prison of them that are bound. They are bound spiritually, all of them that are not saved. Many of them are bound emotionally, 
or physically or even financially. We can help them. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, you see Jesus was even waiting for all of those people to go before him to be baptized. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized. And do you see the next word? What was he doing? And praying. The heaven was open. What an example Jesus is for us in prayer. He was so frequently praying to the Father. He would spend all night in prayer. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, the apostles, they couldn't even pray with him for one hour. And they fell asleep. And Jesus was praying great drops of blood because of the course that was set before him in the next few hours. John 14, 13 and 14. We should take and memorize these two verses because it's a blessing for us. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. We have to understand this verse, though. We can't say to Jesus, would you please give me a new Mercedes-Benz? I'm tired of driving my van. The prayer has to be in the Father's will. But if we're praying a prayer that's in the Father's will, he will do it. You know that statement, you can take it to the bank? This is one of those statements. John 1, verse 32. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. The verses from Isaiah are now fulfilled. But it's also interesting if we look at the next verse. See, Jesus and John most likely knew each other growing up. And John didn't know he was God. Point number three on page five. Jesus pleased our Father in heaven by submitting to his will unto death. Matthew 3, 17. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This must have been an amazing day for the people that were there witnessing this. We see the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. And then it says, the heavens were opened, and a voice from heaven was speaking. How loud was it? Did it sound like thunder? Was it scary? Moses, when he went to visit the Lord on the mountain, the people were afraid. The mountain actually shook. Was this shaking the ground when the Lord spoke? Look what the Father says. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was the perfect Son. All of us in this room probably have children. I have six of them. I'm blessed. And I love my children. There's no way I can love my children like the Father loves Jesus. It's not possible. Because God is deity. That's a special kind of love. And he says to all of the people hearing, all of these people witnessing, in whom I am well pleased. Deuteronomy 6.4 Oh hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We have a picture of the Trinity here. We have the Father speaking, we have the Holy Spirit descending, and we have Jesus coming out of the water, the Trinity. 
But this verse says, O Israel, remember these are Israelites primarily who are coming to be baptized. Jesus' ministry initially was to the Jewish Israelite nation. Psalm chapter 2, 7 and 8. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. Praise God. And the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. This Psalms was written a thousand years before Christ. It's another prophecy. Jesus will receive the inheritance. The Father says, I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. All of us were heathen until the day we got saved. All of us were goats until we became a sheep. All of us were tares until we became wheat. All of us were a foolish virgin until we became a wise virgin. And we were heathen and now we're Christians. We were outside the family and now we're adopted into the family. Isaiah 42.1 Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. These are prophecies about Jesus. Luke chapter 3 verse 22. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. So they literally saw this shape of a dove coming upon Jesus. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. This passage of scripture is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This is a very important passage. Jesus defines it in three different of the Gospels. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was with God. He was with God from the beginning of creation. In fact, Jesus never had a start because he's God. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. There are some false cults that say Jesus was born and that's the time he started at his birth. That's not true. This verse says he was in the beginning with God. Some false religions say Jesus and the devil are brothers. That's blasphemy. That is blasphemy. Mormonism teaches that. That's blasphemy. Jesus is God and Satan is a fallen angel. He's a created being who one day will be in the lake of fire. John 10, 30. I and my Father are one. The Bible says Jesus and the Father are one. And no man can go on to the Father except through Jesus. Jesus is the straight gate. He's the doorway. He's the portal into heaven. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying Abba Father. Isn't that beautiful? Now we can call upon Father as Abba. Just like Jesus calls the Father Father if you are in the family of God now you can go to the Father with the things that are precious in your life. Not only the blessings but your needs. Cast your burden upon him because he cares for you. Colossians 2.9 
For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This verse is speaking to Jesus in the flesh. And it says, in Jesus, in the flesh, dwells the fullness of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bodily, in his physical body, this was God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So Jesus is 100% God, and he's 100% man. Only God can be all God and man at the same time. And that's why in the flesh, Jesus could not sin because he's God. God cannot sin. 1 John 5, 7, and this is kind of a definitive verse on the Trinity. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And we just define the Word as Jesus. And this verse says, these three are one. These verses, especially this public testimony of the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased, and the Holy Spirit descending as a dove, there are some people that preach another false gospel that the Holy Spirit is not God, that Jesus is not God. They have a hard time explaining away these verses. And then the last verse that we're going to look at today, John chapter 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me. Remember, Jesus always does the will of the Father. This is Jesus speaking. The Father sent him. And this is the will of him that sent me, that... Everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. If you have received Jesus as your Savior today, you will be raised up at the last day to go to heaven. Unless the Lord tarries, everyone in this room will go into a grave or perhaps be cremated. It's appointed on man wants to die. All of us in this room will die. But if you profess and live for the Lord and are truly saved, you've repented from your sins, received Jesus as Savior at some point in your life, he says, I will raise you up in the last day. And you cannot lose your salvation. That's the good thing about being born again. Aren't you looking forward to that day when the Lord comes? I mean, no more bills, no more pains. No more of the world. You turn on the news and you get disgusted and you turn it back off. None of that will be in our life anymore. It's all going to be good. And we'll have a glorified body. We will no longer be able to sin. And Jesus is coming back. He is coming back, Randy. No political elections. No political elections. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word of God. It's so true. And it's really the only way we can be saved. It's the power of you, God, unto salvation. And perhaps there's somebody here today in this room who has not received you, who has not repented, who has not acknowledged that you are the only true God and Savior in their life. And Lord, that they would start 2018 coming into the kingdom, that they would have a new birthday, that even this year, 2018, would be the day they look back upon as the day that they received you as God. And Jesus, as we go about this year, it's just starting, this is the first week, that you would bring souls across our paths 
that we can share the power of God with. And Lord, if we're Christians, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And Lord, you promise that you will use us for your kingdom. And you promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Father, we do thank you for sending Jesus to go to the cross. And Jesus for carrying the cross, for carrying this weight of sin, for being the propitiation, for taking away the wrath of God that is due us as sinners. And Holy Spirit, you are with us today. And Lord, when we sin, we quench you. We quench the Holy Spirit. Don't let us sin. Give us a path that we can avoid the sin in our life. And Jesus, we just want to say one more time, we love you, God. Amen.